Welcome back to the KPL podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jagisha. And I'm the other one, Ryan. So this week on the podcast, we have a returning bestseller. And I love it when this happens. I know. Fiona Davis is back to talk about her latest book, The Magnolia Palace. Right. And uh, not just that, but we, of course, have a segment for you. Uh, As Fiona Davis is famous for writing uh, fiction around landmarks, we're going to talk about some St. Louis and Kirkwood landmarks. Yes, I love the way she takes a New York City landmark and puts both a present day story and an historical story going back several years. Um, The last one we talked to her about was the Lions of Fifth Avenue, which was about the New York Public Library. Uh, I can't imagine why we'd be interested in libraries. uh, Yeah, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And this time she's Uh, talking about a mansion, uh, the Frick Mansion, which is the, which is the venue or the location that her novel is set in. Right. And also, you know, not just libraries, but we love museums as well. So this is going to be a fun discussion. Uh, I hope you all stay tuned. Fiona Davis, New York Times bestselling author of The Lions of Fifth Avenue, returns to the KPL podcast with a tantalizing novel about secrets, betrayal, and murder within one of New York's most impressive mansions. Fiona, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be back. So right off the top, would you tell us all about your newest book, The Magnolia Palette? Um, yeah, so it's it's a book set at the Frick Collection, which is a beautiful mansion in New York City that was the home of the industrialist Henry Clay Frick, who was also a big art collector. And after it died, after he died, it was left as a museum. And so my book takes place in two timelines. In 1919, it's from the point of view of this artist's model and muse named Lillian who gets caught up in, in, at, the, at the Frick, working for Helen Frick as her private secretary. And Helen is Mr. Frick's, uh, her, his daughter. And so she's working as a private secretary and she gets very caught up in the family drama, including, yes, stolen diamonds, lots of romantic trysts, uh, you know, murder, betrayal, all that kind of thing. And then the other point, the uh, right? Everything that you want. And in the 1960s is from the point of view of a woman named Veronica, who's a London fashion model. And she's at the Frick when it's a museum doing a Vogue photo shoot that goes terribly wrong. And she gets trapped inside the mansion during a three-day blizzard and along with an intern named Joshua. And she stumbles upon a series of hidden clues that are tucked within the artwork in the mansion. And she and Joshua go on this kind of scavenger hunt that she hopes will solve all of her financial problems. So those two stories kind of merge together eventually and collide, and there's a mystery and plot twists and all the kinds of things that I love reading in a book. Wow. I think that brings readers in. It'll be like, ooh, getting caught in a blizzard and having a scavenger hunt. <laughs> That's got to be so much fun. I know, right? And the wonderful thing about the Frick is that it really feels like it's frozen in time. Even today, it's all their furnishings and rugs and the artwork. And so when you go inside, it's as if the Frick family went off to a dinner party and they might be back at any moment. Which kind of made me think, uh, since many of our listeners are Midwesterners, could you give us like a, what is the Frick? Yeah, so the Frick is a beautiful mansion. It's on Fifth Avenue, as I mentioned. And after Mr. Frick died, he'd lived there for five years with his family. And after his wife died, actually, in the 1930s, it was turned over to the city and to be opened up to the public. And so only the first floor 
is open to the public, but I was able to get a full tour of all the other floors, including the basement where there's a 1914 bowling alley that still works. Oh, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and it's just this, it's this gorgeous, gorgeous building. And the family was fascinating. It was a family of three served by a staff of 27. Oh, and wow. yet, yeah, can you imagine? And it was fun because in my research, I could go through dinner menus from 1915 dinner parties that were held there or, you know, the, the list of the payroll of who worked there and how much were they paid and what did they do? And so in the book, you really get this behind the scenes feeling of what it was like both as a residence and then later as a museum. So could you talk a little bit more about your characters? How did you go about developing the characters and how do you go about keeping them straight? Like the two timelines, how do you go about writing into timelines? Oh, there are some days it's such a headache. And, you know, I, I drink a lot of wine at night just to recover from the day's work. <laughs> um, but it, it's it, a couple of the characters are in one character is based on a real person. That's Helen Frick. And she was this very prickly woman. She wore her hair in a pompadour and bun her entire adult life. When her friends tried to bob their hair in the 1920s, she would unfriend them, basically. She was very strict and, and had certain just a very strong-willed woman. And then another character in that timeline is inspired by a real woman named Audrey Munson. And her figure is carved into the doorway above the Frick. It's carved in stone in the pediment. Mm -hmm. And she led this wild life. She was a very successful artist model, caught up in this terrible scandal, and then eventually tried to commit suicide and eventually was put into an asylum where she died, get this, in 1996, at the age of 104. Wow. And that's no a, one is that's a score. Right, right. And no one's heard of her yet. Her her statues are all over Manhattan. There's over a dozen statues of her all over Manhattan in front of the Plaza Hotel, at Columbus Circle. She's everywhere. And so I created a character that's inspired by her name Lillian because I didn't want her life to have the exact same trajectory. And so Lillian and, and Helen are in that first section. And then the character Veronica in the 60s is just inspired by kind of mod models with their crazy haircuts um, from, from that time period, which was very fun to research as well. Speaking of research, there is just absolutely an amazing amount of wonderful material in the book, such as like the pandemic of 1918 to the aforementioned Frank Mansion. We're, we're curious what research was like for you. How deep did you dive? And uh, another question, since you mentioned it earlier with the dinner menus, what was the most delicious sounding menu that uh, you came across or perhaps oddest? Oh, that's <laughs> such a good question. The oddest dinner, the dinner course was this um, stew that included three meats that took a long time to cook. It included, you know, all, all these different meats. It was definitely this, this it must've been so heavy to eat. And that was a, a strange one. And yeah, you know, it, it was a lot of fun to research. Luckily, the Frick has all these digital archives so I could see photos of the rooms back when they were bedrooms before they were moved into being offices, of course, for, for the museum. I spoke to architectural historians who were very helpful. A, a descendant of the Frick has written a couple great biographies on both Helen and Henry Frick. So that was helpful. But the most interesting thing was I wrote it during lockdown in like 2020. So I got this behind the scenes tour in January. And then of course, everything locked down in March. And normally I go back multiple times to the locations to do more research. 
And very luckily, the Frick website, which is frick.org, has a floor plan where you can go into any room and get a 360 degree view. So that saved the day because I was virtually jumping into the mansion multiple times a day as I was writing the first draft. Oh, that's so fantastic. And, and we'll add that to, uh, to our show notes. So that link. Oh, I, I'm do. in there now. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so the last time you were on, we talked about the Lions of Fifth Avenue and the New York Public Library. So what are your favorite places in New York? What's your, what, of the, all the book places that you've written about, what's your, what's your favorite? Oh, there is this bar in Grand Central Terminal called the Campbell Bar, which no one knows about because you have to kind of go up this secret stairway to get to it. And when you get inside, it's as if you were stepped back in, in time. It's, it was an office for a board member at, uh, on, the, on the train station. And he had this huge office. It's enormous. It has a fireplace. It has a balcony, all these you know, antique rugs, um, stained glass windows. It's so beautiful. And at, at some point it was turned into a bar. So when you go up there and have cocktails, it's like you're in the 1920s in New York. And again, it's up a secret stairway. So you have to know about it, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's cool, like a, a secret. Do you have to have a password to get in? Do they lean into that heavily? <laughs> Not yet. You just have to have, you know, a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to go to New York and, and find it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one of those places, it's kind of dark and mysterious. And I think if, you know, God forbid, you're ever going to have an affair, that would be the place. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm condoning affairs. So is right, there a right. new place that you're interested in for your next book or what's next? Yeah, so the next book, there's actually a couple of things going on. One is I was asked to do a, a short story for Amazon and that'll be out in the summer and that's set at Carnegie Hall which is very interesting because when they built it, they built these artist studios above it mm -hmm. that, you know, Marlon Brando and Bill Cunningham and all these famous people lived in. So that's a short story. But then I, as I was trying to think of where to set the next book, I got an email from a reader and she said, look, I'm, I'm in my eighties. I was a former Rockette. And if you ever want the secrets behind Radio City, you should call me. Of course I did. And I, and that's where the next book is set. It's set in the, in the 1950s at Radio City from the point of view of a rocket. Oh, that sounds fantastic. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to, to you know, getting it, getting it into good shape. Uh, so the uh, question that would be librarians, we love to ask everybody is, uh, what are you reading or uh, what do you recommend we read? I love this book that just came out, The Ballerinas by Rachel Kapelke. Uh, let me see. Rachel Kapelke Dale. I have to check her name. I, it's a great book set in Paris from the point of view of three ballerinas who are in the same dance troupe, in the same company. And it goes back and forth in time. And there's a great mystery. It's almost like a thriller. Mm -hmm. And yet it's all about the dance world and really beautifully, beautifully written. She's, she's done her research. She was a former ballerina, as you can tell. Oh, that's interesting. And it's not one I've heard of. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, it's really, it's got a, a stunning cover. It's, it's just a, a beautiful book all around. Really well done. So as we wrap up, what do you hope readers take away from your book? Oh, what a good question. You know, I hope that when, especially if you come to New York and you're walking around the city and you see a statue, that's probably Audrey Munson, the, the inspiration for Lillian in my book, that you'll just stop and remember that all these lives that filled the city 
be a hundred years ago, and especially the women who've been forgotten and the women who are overshadowed by the men in their lives, like Audrey Munson and like Helen Frick, and you know, hopefully bring them in, into the foreground of history instead of the background. Our guest today has been New York Times bestselling author, Fiona Davis. You can find the Magnolia Palace right here at your Kirkwood Public Library or wherever fascinating books are sold. Fiona, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was just a delight. Well, Ryan, we just talked to Fiona Davis. And as we said earlier, she likes talking about historical landmarks in New York City. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about some amazing landmarks that we have right here in our backyard. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We certainly have some fun landmarks on our minds. Uh, and I believe you're going to take a St. Louis spin and I might take a Kirkwood one. Okay, sounds good. So my first uh, landmark is the Lemp Mansion. And I went uh, there, I think it was about a couple of years ago, probably pre-COVID. And mm -hmm. like a mystery night where you had to figure out who the murderer was. And <laughs> such it was so much fun. And the place is so fascinating and interesting and has this amazing history. It's actually I've, I've well, I was gonna simply say I've done the same. It has been it has definitely been much longer. I, I don't know, it's probably been about 15 years now. Uh, but I did a mystery night there too, which was cowboy themed. I forget my character's name, but I played the sheriff. And uh, I got well into it. So nice. I didn't get picked for a character. It was a packed house that night, so there was plenty of uh, audience members to play characters, and <laughs> so I was just audience. <laughs> hey, that's fun too. It is. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the night. Um, and actually, what's interesting is um, looking on their website. It says that this is the historical home of beer barons, which I didn't know. Yeah, it's tied to um, uh, Anheuser-Busch. Okay, that's true. That makes sense. Anyway, they have some interesting, they have something coming up that sounds like fun. It's called the Lemp Experience, the Hunt for Paranormal Activity. It's a goat mm -hmm. uh, through the mansion. Well, it's supposedly to be, it's rumored to be haunted. I'm sure they'd say it's definitely haunted. Uh, but you can also, it's also like a type of hotel. You can stay there and see for yourself if it is filled with spooks and specters and ghosts. Nice. Hmm. I might have to try this because actually they're not doing anything until December. So, or November. Mm -hmm. December. So mm -hmm. worth doing a little tour down the line. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I did not have the pleasure of doing that, but it's always been on my radar to do that. You know, I think a book set, you know, if Fiona Davis ever decides to write in St. Louis, this would be a good setting for a book for her and she could do like a ghost story maybe, or, you know, something. I'm, ki I'm kind of surprised there isn't one. To my knowledge, there isn't one. There might be, but uh, I, I don't believe so. I said, maybe I'll write a book and I'll have it do something similar to Fiona Davis where I'll have like a, a historical section and then a present day, so two timelines. And maybe they're nice. in the mansion and what do you have for us from Kirkwood? Okay, well, I mean, this is not going to be a surprise. Anybody who's familiar with the hometown of our library knows that Kirkwood is a very big railroad train station fan. Uh, we have a historical train station right here in town. In fact, uh, 
the town's name came from the engineer of the railroad, uh, James P. Kirkwood. Oh, I didn't know that. Nice to know. So it... Yeah, so ignore uh, ignore the Elliot Kalin song when we play it because we're not named after a wood named for Kirk. It was actually <laughs> uh, chief engineer for the railroad, James P. Kirkwood. Uh, and another really thing that I don't think ever gets played up well with Kirkwood, or, or certainly enough, is that Kirkwood is the first planned suburb west of the Mississippi. So our town is historical for a multitude of different reasons. Nice. You know, I saw when you said James P. Kirkwood, I was thinking uh, James T. Kirk Kirk. (laughs) from Star Trek. James, I think it's James Tiberius Kirk as Captain. It is. Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We're named after his brother, James P. Kirk. (laughs) All right. I have to bring Star Wars into, or I have to bring Star Trek into it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with bringing Star Trek into places that did not have Star Trek. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the Kirkwood uh, train station was completed in 1853, and ever since then, it has kind of been a moniker of Kirkwood essentially itself. Uh, in fact, the town even has, a, or the city, I should say, even has its own transportation museum, which is definitely worth checking out with plenty of different uh with you know different trains in there uh where we work so like for those who are not familiar with the library behind us there is a farmer market that is incredibly popular well back in the day this used to be that used that area was a switching station so one of those train turntables uh and children for fun would go down there and try to help out you know turning the trains around so they could get back to like st louis easily oh i didn't know that that's cool yeah, it's just, I mean, a fun little bit of our history. I mean, definitely people celebrate the Kirkwood train station, and it's really cool. I mean, these days, it's essentially an Amtrak hub. So I, I guess cool if you're into Amtrak, but I would probably argue less cool. So, <laughs> but still, it, it is a part of our, our city's pride. Absolutely. So take us back to St. Louis. Well, I want to go to the most famous landmark in St. Louis. You might have heard of it. Oh, I was going to name like some silly landmark, but suddenly like like unimportant ones are not in my head. Uh, uh, so I'm going to bet you're just guess, you're going with the arch, the gateway to the West. That's right. Uh, the arch. Everybody knows about it. I don't need to go dive into the history, but I was thinking about like, you know, if the book was set in the arch somehow, you know, maybe the building of the arch. Again, thinking about Fiona Davis and the way she does the historical fictions with their you know, the two timelines. I think that'd be another one where you could you could hide a body in the arch somewhere, <laughs> maybe in the elevator uh, shaft. <laughs> I mean, they, I feel like they get found pretty fast as many people go in and out of those elevators. Yeah, I'm always, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, um, it's down in the ground somewhere at the bottom of the arch. <laughs> well, I don't know if there is a book particularly, like I was kind of thinking like, well, one of the things I might want to talk about was fiction set in St. Louis. I mean, as you know, we've, we've had uh, our fair share of local authors on the show, uh, chiefly among them, uh, little Kate Hamilton and pretty much all of her books, or, you know, a very large number of her books are set here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember, I, I mean, Arch is in them, but I don't, I can't think of any that's, uh, that's been featured. 
but that's certainly worth taking a look. I thought we've got a lot of great stories. I know there used to be a book called, I don't know if it's still in print, St. Louis Noir. And uh, undoubtedly, those were mysteries set around uh, St. Louis landmarks. And that was a pretty cool thing. Mm, interesting. Now, I do remember one of Laurel K. Hamilton's books, and I don't remember which one. Um, there was a big battle of, of where animals, where, where lions and tigers and all these things. And Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> right in the middle of St. Louis, and they were battling for territory. Uh, I do remember that part. So maybe the Ark was there. I'm sure it was mentioned. Undoubtedly. All right. So do you have another landmark for us? So the, the next landmark we talk about in Kirkwood is the is the home of the historical society. And I'm really just going to like mention saying it is a very good idea to go check out the Kirkwood Historical Society, because anything I can tell you about the history of Kirkwood, they could tell you and do it so much better and more detailed, and it is just a valuable resource. The Kirkwood Historical Society is at the historical Mud Groves House. That is at 302 West Argonne Drive, right here in town. And uh, I would definitely recommend it at the very least, you know, now that we're in pandemic times, back in the day, you know, you could go and set up tours and have events there. And it is a very beautiful historical home. Now I would definitely go to the website, kirkwoodhistoricalsociety.com, take a look around and see what, uh, see what you can do. But last year, they, they celebrated their 60th anniversary and here in Kirkwood. It's a good thing to shout out for the Historical Society because, well, I love history. Oh, yeah. I have not been inside. I've driven past the building, but I have not had the chance to go inside and check it out. I know their hours are, are usually when I'm working, so it's part of it. <laughs> uh, I've had the pleasure once, uh, myself and a fellow librarian that we work with, uh, did a tour there. Like we set up a library tour where our patrons came and we basically took them around uh, Mudgrove. Mud and it was a lot of fun. Very nice. Well, listeners, what did you think of our historic landmarks for St. Louis and Kirkwood? Do you have any suggestions for us? Is there a landmark that might make a good setting for a book? Well, we definitely want to know that for certain. And you can tell us by writing to us at podcast at kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org. A podcast is singular, so no plural. That's our show this week, and thank you so much for listening. Jagisha and I leave you now to wander through the beauty that is St. Louis landmarks. Perhaps we will even be embroiled by a sweeping cross-time mystery. Who's to truly say? But before we do, I'd like to extend a very special thank you to our guest, Fiona Davis. It was a joy speaking with you again, and we heartily recommend the Magnolia Palace. Thank you. Join us next week when our guest will be best-selling debut author Nita Prose with her title, The Maid. With New York landmarks in our minds from Fiona Davis, our last work comes from us from writer, poet, and wondrous wit Dorothy Parker. London is satisfied, Paris is resigned, but New York is always hopeful. Always it believes that something good is about to come off and it must hurry to meet it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.